Sustainability Unwrapped, a conversational podcast about responsibility, ethics, inequalities, climate change, and other challenges of our times, where science needs practice to think about our world and how to make our society more sustainable one podcast at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a, a new episode of the Sustainability Unwrapped podcast. My name is Robert Chukitsa, and I am an assistant professor at the Hankan School of Economics in the Department of Marketing. And I do research and I teach on all sorts of topics related to digital marketing. And uh, today I'm happy to uh, to be joined by uh, uh, two wonderful guests uh, to talk about uh, subjects on artificial intelligence, AI, from a couple of different perspectives. Uh, so it's my great pleasure to introduce uh, Akansa Malik and uh, uh, Mauro Rego. And uh, apologies in advance if I completely butchered your names. But uh, I would like to 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 give you the floor to briefly introduce yourselves. Tell us a bit about your your background and how you ended up being interested uh, uh, in in topics related to AI or or working with uh, with AI. So uh, Akansha, uh, uh, I'll give you the the, the first word. Uh, no, you're bang on track with the name so you're all good for today <laughs> we've trained this well we'll be fine but um yeah my name's Kancha. i am a data scientist out in melbourne australia uh living the land of the free at the moment where it's no covid at the, well I'm just i'm not gonna say that again because i feel like i'll jinx it but yeah i work as a data scientist down here i'm also a microsoft ai mvp and Kind of how I got into the whole world was um, so I did a degree in maths and statistics and actuarial science. And kind of what I came out of that knowing is I don't really like finance or <laughs> statistics that much in like very technical statistic levels and didn't really enjoy the actuarial science too much in terms of doing a job. But I did like the data stuff we did. I did like the computer stuff we did. Um, so I ended up coming into a grad program doing data science as consulting and it's just spirals since then, and here I am. All right, thank you. And then uh, we also have Mauro. Hi, Mauro. Hi. So how I, uh, what I do and how I came up here. Uh, so I'm a designer at Google Research or Google AI. And um, I ended up there because I got a job there. I think that's the first, the first element. Like I did, it was not a choice that I made like uh, uh consciously saying oh i want to to work more with ai and machine learning was just a fact of like going through different projects and happening to to end up gathering enough experience to end up in a position inside of uh the research unit at google um yeah all right so uh um as, as you might see that if you if you if you had a look at the title of today's episode is uh, kind of ai from from different perspectives right so from data science to to design and many places in between so uh you can uh, you can kind of uh, understand now once you once you know who our guest are you can understand what the idea behind today's conversation is but let's maybe just dive into it um so I had a I had a talk with my dad this uh, this weekend in which I was complaining about uh, my my uh, workload that seems to be never ending and he said something funny which was can't you just program some some AI algorithm to do your work for you or some of your work for you so you get some time off 
And I got completely stumped because I realized, okay, so that's what my dad thinks uh, thinks AI is. And then we ended up having quite a long conversation in which I was trying to explain, well, dad, you know, actually that's not what AI is. So I would like to 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 kind of open the discussion by asking you first and first foremost, you know, what is AI in a you know in a in a layman uh, explanation, or how would you explain to my dad what AI is? And uh, do you have any examples or any ideas of what is good AI or, you know, what, what can AI actually do? I think I was trying, oh, you, you asked about this and I was like, oh, how do I even quantify this? Because AI has just become this like buzzword that people just love using. It's like AI, the end all and be all that will solve all of our problems. Kind of like it'll do your job for you. And I think I remember trying to explain it to my sister. It's like the same thing, right? You try and explain it to your family who don't know what the hell you're doing any single day, but they kind of are like, you do something, I think. You have a job, you do something. Um, but I think the easiest way I think of AI anyway, and I might be wrong, I mean, it's just the way I can see it, is just the AI is the extra brain power <laughs> that I don't have and I can't leverage. Like it's the extra stuff I can't get from coffee. That's what AI is to me. Um, it'll do the exact same thing that I can sit down and do. And if it's something like computer image, um, computer vision, where it looks at an image and it's like, okay, this is a dog. I can do that. AI just does that at a scale of about 40,000 images in two seconds kind of a thing. Um, it's just that extra brain power, from my opinion anyway, <laughs> that I've seen around and what the use cases I've seen. All right, Mauro, what is AI to you then? Um, I like what your father said because it goes really in the direction of how I, I understand the whole thing. It's actually, uh, I would say AI is for, um, it's for cognitive work, uh, stands for cognitive work as machines stand for, for labor, for, for uh, art and crafts, right? So if I want to make uh, tables, right, and I can, I can really sculpture a table out of wood uh, by, with my hand, I can, I can produce that, right? Uh, and I'm going to take, I don't know how much time, like three weeks to produce one table. I'm going to cost a lot of material and going to be heavily expensive. Uh, but I can also produce that in a factory, right? And that's what AI kind of stands for right now in, in terms of business and, and industry is pretty much um, turning cognitive work, work that uh, like identifying pictures, for example, or uh, solving, solving problems um, in a bigger scale and automated. So the same relationship that we have would have with uh, industrial revolutions, I'd say. And I think probably there there are quite a lot out there who would uh, who would like to use this term of now we are living in this data revolution and the kind of algorithm revolution and we move from from industrial revolution to information revolution and so on. So again, quite a lot of buzzwords thrown around. But I think what what was kind of interesting to me and this was the the challenge that I found in trying to talk to my dad about it was that um, somehow I was hurt because he he somehow felt that uh, the important work that I'm doing can be broken down into these simple tasks that can just be automated. So somehow my my hubris got a bit hurt because you know the type of job that I do is not something that a machine can uh, can uh, can replicate, right? So in principle, I think a lot of the conversation is also stuck in 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 this situation that we clearly see that machines can do quite a lot and they can do things faster and they can do things better and at scale and cheaper. But I think we're also starting to move the conversation towards, yeah, but what are tasks that can be done and tasks that can't be done? So uh, 
what are your your do you have any any thoughts on that or is that some where do you draw the line basically um maybe maybe I, like i think when you say like machines can do better work uh, it's really not the point i think it's exactly that that's exactly the direction like if you if your job can be automated because it's made out of analytical uh, work like if you follow a uh let's say a checklist to fulfill a job uh then yes then your job can be automated right and then you just need people like people that can can uh, enough data that can actually create like something that can actually make this work so cheap that then worth right so that's i think it goes exactly in the same direction of what your dad's pretty it's already pretty in the direction like if he thinks that your job can be automated because what are you doing is kind of repetitive and and can be learned quite fast then you can give that to the machine it doesn't mean that the machine going to do a better job than you it's just going to be that you're going to do a cheaper job than you and that's what matter for most of the industry is actually reducing the the human cost for for every business right indeed so whew, that's uh, <laughs> that's something to consider a bit right when i think uh, uh, I always like to go back to this image of the the Luddites who were taking the 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 hammers towards the the sewing machines back in the 19th century because well we are more or less getting into the same situation and of course I think there are a lot of uh, of people kind of cheering for the fact that because of that AI can also help people uh, maybe pick up new skills or maybe maybe even move towards this society in which people have to work less because a lot of the the technology is doing the the work for us. So again, those are interesting perspectives to 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 uh, to consider. And for everyone that sees some sort of uh, utopia, there is somebody else seeing some sort of dystopia. So I guess we will meet somewhere in the middle. Anyway, um, can you maybe tell our listeners, at least from your experience, what is not AI? So we kind of explain a bit what AI is, but what is maybe some misconception about AI that you maybe see a lot? in in your work and then maybe you would like to say hey i think that's not really what should be put under ai yeah i think i mean i've definitely had clients kind of or customers come in and they're like hey we want ai and i'm not necessarily saying that that's nothing an answer but they just want ai they they know it's a thing and they're just like yeah we want it like um have you a got a problem you want to solve have you got data like what or is it just a case that you want to be able to go and say, hey, we do AI here today? Like, what is exactly going on? So I think that misconception of, I think it goes back to the whole AI can do everything. AI will solve all the problems. But without ever actually taking the time to figure out what your problem is, is a real kind of an issue in the industry that I keep seeing anyway. Um, especially because what leads to that is when you take that minute to step back and actually figure out what your problem is, what you slowly and very quickly realize is AI is actually not the solution because it's a very simple problem that can be solved with just the normal use cases of like whether that's development or like just another application or whatever else it can be. It's a very simple solution out there that you don't need to spend this much amount of time setting up an AI pro uh, solution or creating these algorithms. And it also then leads into it's now becoming a scenario in the world where creating a new algorithm or creating a new machine learning thing is you're kind of reinventing the wheel a little bit with these things. <laughs> if you're starting from scratch, there is absolutely no need to do that. There are great models that are already existing, um, like Google, um, Azure, AWS. They've already got these great platforms where you can just kind of go in, plug your data in very securely and safely, I promise. <laughs> I mean, I've done it, I've used it. But 
it's already been built for you and yet people are still like no no, no we want it from scratch like we want to build our own thing um and there's just so much more involved with that a because of price and cost and all these things but also dangers in terms of the ethics involved and like are you really using the best people to create this do they know the downfalls and the pitfalls here so i mean oh there's just a lot of things that can go wrong but also yeah what is not ai is very much look at the problem at hand there's probably a better solution than using a brand new ai thing into it especially when the scenario a lot of the times is a case of if not else where it's like oh if it's this i want an answer doing this and then i want this that's not ai that's just programming which has been around for hundreds of years yeah all right like chatbot chatbots not ai just as yeah. just, as, just, as, just as, yeah i got that a lot as well all right so um what i so we, we kind of talked a bit about uh, um, um what ai is and what what ai isn't and i would like to each of you because i think akasha you kind of did that now when you were kind of describing the idea that okay you have a problem and then you try to find a solution and ai is sort of a way to get from from problem to solution but it's not necessarily the solution in and of itself so i was wondering can you kind of explain a bit uh, so so for each of you kind of how how does this AI fit in what you do so how can you basically how do you when you have to solve problems with AI what is it that you actually do and what is it that you actually recommend to the to the to the companies or to the to the policy makers that come and want to to work with you so in this case what would be an actual application of AI that that uh, that you can share yeah like I mean I'm and I guess, I mean, my experience of it is going to be completely different because I work in a consulting company with specific kind of cu customers and stuff, I guess. But like, if, I mean, I call myself a data scientist, but I mean, you can call yourself whatever you want. I'm a consultant. I go talk to people all the time. And I mean, in any given project, the same thing happens where it's AI is just such a minuscule part of the project itself. If it is in the first place, an AI project. Um, which is a very all-encompassing term, in fairness. AI can mean so many hundreds of different things inside it, but let's just use that for now. Like a lot of my job is actually going and doing the original chats of, okay, what have you got? What's the data? What's your current tech stack? Like where does everything sit? How does it all connect with everything? And the, like it's a running joke in the data science industry where the 70% of a data scientist's job is just cleaning up the data. And it's true. Like nothing works well if your data isn't correct or clean and actually representing the truth behind it. That quality of data is such a big part of any solution you'll ever build. Um, so like a lot of my job is just going, it's not even going cleaning the data, it's actually understanding the data as a consultant. I'm going into this random company where these people know their data really well. I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> like I've been in healthcare, I've done a project in kind of just um, in, what are they called? kind of textile industry, like a bunch of different industries. I don't know what any of this means. Like I, I couldn't tell you anything that happens in a hospital outside of what mom as a nurse tells me that happens in a hospital or what I watch in Grey's Anatomy, but that's not enough to understand these terms put in front of me in terms of data. Um, so a lot of my job is essentially, because it's a, I'm a consultant, right? It's a little bit different. So my job is essentially going in and understanding what's happening for them. And after we've broken that all down, it's like, okay, this is the data. It's actually clean, it's well usable, it's actually it's quality data where it represents the tooth. And 90% of the time that isn't the case. <laughs> so if we get to that like ideal scenario where everything lines up, then it's like, okay, cool. Now we can implement some kind of, I mean, whether it's time series analysis or predicting the, whatever else you want to do with it, that's a very small part there. 
that we've done in AI, everything around it has been, okay, let's understand this. And once you've implemented the AI, the rest of it is helping the client understand it, making sure they understand what's been implemented and how to use it and go forward with it. So in my job anyway, I think, yes, it's a very AI-based job, but the work I do isn't really that heavily focused necessarily all the time on AI. All right, so that was the data perspective. So what about the, the design perspective? How does your uh, typical workday look like, Mauro? Um, yeah, so it really depends on which, which project I'm working right now. Like I, I used to be a consultant as well, and that was when I had my first contact with uh, uh, AI-powered uh, application. Was it a pharma company in Deutschland, and they want to do a a medical AI, as anyone else wants to do medical AI. But it was quite interesting because the the value pro the, the proposal there was uh, we have a set of people, uh, specialists. So it's not like identifying uh, lights or um, identify like uh, it's not kind of data that anyone can label, right? Uh, it was a uh, really specific, like looking at patients' uh, uh, history and the, the patient's health history and then identify if a drug is causing a uh, a side effect or not right so that's kind of that, that was the baseline so you look at the all the evidence that you have from a, from a uh, from the the documentation and then you judge if what what's happening there right so that that's a level so you have 50 only 50 uh, specialists that has that has the job to train that that model and have to at the same time the model has to learn from that and have to, to improve itself right so that's kind of like that was the baseline um but that doesn't exist in the vacuum right though so that kind of uh doctor or the artificial doctor or doesn't doesn't exist in the vacuum so it has to it has to be trained somehow my job as a designer is to come in uh create a space where that that specific model can be trained and has to get input from the, the doctors, like the actual specialists. So these people has to label the data in a way that they have to they, they have to label the data, basically. They have to judge if the machine is doing a good job or not, based on the recommendations that the machine is giving, right? And they have to kind of define what the machine has to do. So I have to take that application, put that in a space where the doctor actually can wants to use that because no no doctor gonna do like labeling work for free, and there are only fifty of those people. So they, I have to integrate that in the workflow that they use. So basically, I'm designing for two users. I'm designing for the doctor itself, so the doctor can accomplish their work. It's useful for them. It's user friendly. Uh, it's worth their time. So it gives them a value, and at the same time, uh, it can generate. Uh, it can train the model, right? So the model can profit off whatever input the doctors are giving there. So that can explain the reasoning that they're making decisions, can explain the feedback. It's a, it's a, the language that the doctor talks to the machine is understand, understood by the machine. So like these are the, all the things that I have to take in consideration when I'm designing. So basically, instead of only designing a software that would um, would help the doctors to get the job done, I have to do something that as, at the same time, uh, creates value for the machine. So the machine also gets their job done. So now I have two users to take consideration. So I have to understand what the machine is also, like how the machine talks, what the machine needs, and how the machine can give back value for to the user. So that's a pretty much like a scope of a project. 
And my daily job, how does it look like, is a lot of work in the sense of talking to the data scientists, for example, have to sit with them the whole time to understand how the, the data is labeled and to understand what, are, what what's happening inside of the, of, the, of the brain, of the artificial brain. And at the same time, I have to lead like the whole engineer team because actually the, the machine learning problem is just a small slice inside of a big chunk of uh, engineer problem that, that has there because you have to have a product at the end of the day, right? So it's like you, you cannot like the, and the product is I would say is ninety percent of the of the work, uh, and ten percent is just the the powered by machine learning. So I think if I if I try to 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 see the 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 connections also between what you are saying, I think clearly we we see that there is a data element, and I think both of you uh, have have clearly specified that whatever you're doing is only as good as the data that you fit in. So I, so if you don't have data that is related to the problem, then uh, or that 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 is uh, also properly classified for whatever problem you're trying to 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 solve, then. It doesn't really matter what what AI or whatever fancy stuff you're going to use on it because that's kind of the foundation. But that's only the foundation because data in and of itself is nothing. You also have to make sense of the data. So if I uh, also from from my experience with with AI projects, this idea of classification or labeling becomes extremely important because someone needs to make sense of what the data means and how do you know? In some cases, when the data is numerical, it's relatively straightforward and you can kind of say, okay, this is what having this number implies but in the situation where you have to go through through unstructured data or when you have to go through through data that is not so black and white so this classification decision is not so simple it becomes complicated and that's why when you need some sort of specialist or you need someone that can uh, can can label the data and i think i find it very funny every time i have to do a captcha on the internet i i kind of know that i'm training ai right because it asks me where do you see a traffic light or where do you see a tree and when do you know and I'm clicking on all those images and I know that I'm kind of doing my duty to train AI to better recognize uh, objects but that's the that's the thing that's the labeling part that of course AI can attempt to do based on whatever data and whatever training set you you gave it but still someone needs to come back and see okay have you classified well how is it going? And, and in the end, again, how is this whole thing helping us solve the problem? So it's a bit more, more, more complicated than, than, than many people would like to think. Um, I also wanted to ask you, so uh, again, you, you've shared experience about your, your work and, and kind of what you do and the challenges that you face. What are some recommendations that you would give? Because uh, part of our audience being at the business school are our students. And we see that many students are extremely excited and interested in learning more about AI. What would be the recommendations that you would give for, for you know, someone who is just kind of fresh uh, uh, through their bachelor studies and they're looking forward to, to, to getting some skills into the area of AI? What would you recommend them to do or what, what would be some resources that they could tap into if they want to learn more and understand more? Yeah, I think, I mean, I kind of look back to when I started, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I started essentially with no tech background um, and it was really interesting because, I mean, I came in and I was basically taught everything I did at the job, on the job as I went. And the first thing I remember looking at in terms of specifically AI, so before I got to the AI part, I mean, I was obviously learning how to actually code and learn different languages and stuff. But for someone, especially in a business context, right? 
all you really need to understand is, okay, the very high levels of, okay, this is a computer uh, vision model. What it's going to do is X, Y, Z, which is identify images or identify objects and images. And what you really only need is just a very grasp, under, basic understanding of kind of how has that done it? You don't need to know, okay, if I hyper tune this parameter in this specific code, this is what it'll tweak to actually make this happen. You don't need to know that. I don't even need to know that as much anymore because I'm not building those kind of models out on a daily basis. Um, so Fast AI, which is a course that was built by Jeremy Howard um, out in Stanford, I think. Maybe I'm getting the college wrong. But he's built out this really, really cool course. And what that has done, and I'm happy to share the links and stuff afterwards, but if you literally Google it, it'll pop straight up. And it's very broken down into understandable bits. So I think it's like two hour lectures over seven lectures or something like that. And he essentially goes through, what does this all mean? Like what is computer vision? What is natural language processing? All these things in a very non-coding format. There's a bit of coding there where he can actually tell you how it happens, but he goes through essentially, how does it work? What's the maths behind it without going too in depth into it? And that'll be more than enough, I think, to have a workable knowledge of what's going on in these projects from a business perspective. If you really want to go get really in depth into it, start actually doing the codes there in Fast AI. Start using um, kind of AWS, Google, Azure. They've all got platforms that are readily available to create your own models and stuff. Off you go, give it a shot. There's loads of data. Um, each of their own websites have loads of demos and stuff. Literally, they have like step-by-step -step demos that you can follow along and they'll give you free credits to go do all this stuff. They want you to use their platforms. Um, so there's loads of resources available. I think a good place though, 100% is Fast.ai just because it really breaks it down to such understandable levels that once you kind of have that grasp understanding, then you're like, oh, okay, I can figure everything out now moving forward, whether it's going further into it or even more abstract out of it. All right. Mauro, um, uh, um, I think it really depends on what, the, where, which part they want to uh, to take. Like as a fresh business uh, person, I think there is a one. <clears throat> there is you can you can think about like the applications, right? Like, um, like the first thing to understand is that AI is not a feature, right? Is is just a, it's just one more part of the product that you are that you are working with or working on. Uh, and from that from that point of view, like first you have to understand what what kind of problem you're trying to solve. Like if you're trying to solve a problem, then you're going to the product area, and then you have to have a, a understanding of actually understanding of of uh, of design, understanding of like people's needs and what you're trying to enable there, right? And then you can go like more B two B that you're like working for infrastructure. So what kind of uh, capacity you're trying to trying to power? Like, let's say uh, if you're trying to power image recognition, because with that you can do, like you don't care about the application, but you're trying to power image recognition as, a, as, as, as it is, as a technology, then you are more working like on this, on this backstage of the, of the thing and what's the valid thing as well. So like you have to understand like where you want to be and, and understand all of those layers first, right? And, um, and then there is like plenty of resource from that point of view, on online right now because there is a lot of people doing doing quite good work. There is uh, the one that I can recommend and is a bit biased because uh, it's from Google. It's called uh, uh, People Plus AI. Uh, I can send you the link, but People Plus AI Research. So the, the link would be pair uh, dot uh, with Google uh, dot com, and there you have like a lot of really nice guidelines of how to how take how take AI in your products. 
like from the ethical point of view, from uh, from like user needs point of view, and and I think I think that's super relevant if you're not going to research, like if you're not going into academic research on on machine learning and so on. Those things are extremely relevant because they are your main outlet. It, either if you're working like B two B or or B two C, it's gonna give you uh, the first insights of what you have to consider, and also like understand again that AI is not a feature. Right, it's not something that you put that you um, that exists on the vacuum and people want to buy it. People actually don't care who is delivering the the service, right? People care that the service is delivered and how it's delivered. Like if it's cheaper, it's like what AI does make it accessible, right? So, and that's the only the only leverage that's important for the for for reaching the markets, right? Like for for making your your product like. Uh, successful is actually you don't deliver a better product, you just deliver it um, cheaper and standardized. So you can set a bar of quality and enable and empower like a lot of people to to do stuff, right? And that's like the only leverage, the silver lining of the whole AI thing is that it's there. So kind of uh, really the the if I if I again try to summarize across what you were saying, it's part of the the same same but different approach, right? So of course uh, technology is fantastic and it's great to be aware of all the options out there. And of course it depends very much how deep you want to get into the tech part of whether it's the coding part or whether it's the hardware part, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But still, at the end of the day, it's about solving some sort of problem and providing some sort of var uh, value to different stakeholders, which is more or less the point, or at least in my view, the point of, uh, of, of business or at least of good business. And of course, while doing that, trying to take care of, uh, of society on the whole and uh, not being too, too heavy on the resources. So really no, no big challenges there. But uh, <laughs> if, we can, uh, if we can maybe look a bit to the future, and uh, you guys know quite well what AI is uh, at the moment and what it can do. And you, you probably have some very good ideas of, of, of applications that are currently running. But I would like us if, because I think that's also part of the discussion around AI, right? Uh, uh, how, you know, if we look to, to, to 10, 20, 50 years in the future, what kind of problems and, you know, especially these big world problems, if you will, can AI help us with? So if we can, and I, here is I'm just kind of inviting you to, to think uh, uh, also maybe outside of your, the scope of your, of your jobs and dream a bit in terms of, okay, you've seen what it can do, but, you know, what would be something really cool that we can look forward to potentially in the future and here we can also think about uh, these types of big pictures related to, to sustainability or or uh, corporate responsibility resources ethics etc so this is the point of the discussion where you are you are free to go into sci-fi territory and i'm very happy to to hear at least what you what are some ideas that that you find inspiring even though maybe they might not uh, go to fruition i think i think the learning uh, space like when i think about like co uh, cognitive uh, cognitive work that is not scalable is education right education is not scalable at all uh, you can you can be exposed to content and then you you learn something but there is no one there to tell you if you are learning something or not until you you practice it right um, and I think I think making education more accessible so that more people in the in the global south, for example, or I don't know, someone in the countryside in Brazil. I'm Brazilian, by the way. And a person countryside in Brazil can learn whatever uh, 
uh, skill or can learn whatever profession they want to learn. And having like this um, accompanying and like engage experience that you would have with a tutor, um, I think it's a, it's it's mind blowing, right? Or for example, also learning a language that doesn't exist anymore, right? Having the the chance of 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 experiencing a culture or experiencing content that's not there anymore, or it's like only few people know about that, and you have the chance to practice that from whatever place you are. That is so wholesome, and I kind of hate you for saying that because I'm like, mine's definitely not that wholesome. <laughs> like, literally sitting here, I'm like, uh, what is going to happen? And I think, I mean, I say this all the time, where I'm like, I don't know what my own five-year future is going to look like because I can barely tell you what is going to happen tomorrow. Um, everything just keeps changing on me, so I couldn't even tell you. Like, three years ago, I never saw myself being in tech, let alone talking about AI on podcasts, you know? So, but I think... I'm a big passionate person about talking around um, auto ML and low code applications and kind of essentially democratizing AI. Like that is a very passion project for me. And kind of 90% of the talks, <laughs> the tech talks I tend to do surround that um, aspect of things. So yeah, I mean, what that is essentially enabling is, look, there's data everywhere. I produce data myself about myself on a daily basis that I can't even leverage like as a data scientist. I mean, I can download all my chats on Facebook or WhatsApp, whatever else. And I don't even know what I can do with it because I'm like, it's there. It's going to take me years and like computer powers and going all doing all this kind of stuff to do anything with it. And the hope obviously is like the more into the future we get, the fact that there is data Azure, or I keep saying Azure. I'm just so used to saying Azure, but like cloud um, is available to you to not have to buy a big hefty machine um, to not, be able to like I mean it's very quick to loan that out and just use it to whatever you need it to be whether that's machine learning or whether that's just surfing the web like whatever else it might be it's reducing that barrier to entry and then once you're in there I mean I've seen people who are doctors who studied their whole lives into being doctors they're experts in say cancer or whatever else it might be they don't need to then be like connected to someone who's a data scientist. If we make these things really accessible and low code, they can actually go leverage their own machine learning models to help them identify specific cells or whatever else it might be. It's just getting that power to everyone else, like really democratizing it. I think it's really cool. You don't need to have spent whatever many years being a PhD in machine learning or maths or whatever else to really understand and use that kind of stuff for yourself. Um, it's gonna be something really, really cool. And I think there's a lot of work being done in that space uh, to make it as easy as possible to use and leverage that thing. Um, I hope that happens. But if it doesn't, I'll keep harping about it and I'll die on that hill. I'm okay with this. Yeah, I, I, and I, I would like to, to build on that. Like uh, this democratizing has a lot to do as well with uh, with making things invisible, right? Yeah. Because the moment that you like the moment that that it's so evident that you are using this AI thing and so on, it's kind of like push away. People don't don't want to deal with that. So like imagine that every time you want to make a phone call, you have to understand about microcomputing engineering, right? It's like, no, you're never going to do the phone call. So you don't achieve your goals. You don't connect to people. You don't do the stuff because uh, it's, that is too much in between, there's too much cognitive load between you and the things that you want to achieve, right? But the moment that the thing is there and is invisible, and it, it's like, how much, how much of the things can you actually care about? For example, going back to the doctor thing, like analyzing the, 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 the cells, how much they can spare time uh, to like with like dual jobs and 
actually spend time with the patient, right? Like and take care of like the things that the machine cannot do that's being empathic with a human being that's suffering right now from cancer, for example, right? So uh, the whole, the whole uh, idea like of personality shifts because if, if everyone can be a doctor, like in the sense of gathering, having the skills and uh, the technical knowledge to, uh, to, to understand the diseases and, and, and define a diagnosis and define the treatment, when you lower that barrier, you enable a lot of people to develop other kinds of skills that are way more necessary than actually knowing if you like, because it's a try and error, right? The medicine, like you, you give them a, 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 a pill, doesn't work, give them another treatment. Oh, I saw the study that if you give them like five pills, it works, you know, like, and, and they actually focus on caring that the person gets better and caring how they work. Anyway, so that I think like invisibility is going to be the future of AI. And it's gonna be like like oxygen. Like you don't you don't think about breathing. If you go around, it's just there, and you enjoy it. And I think to that point, it's kind of already happening, right? I mean, I don't know. There's not many people who don't necessarily look at their phone. I mean, to open my phone, I have a face ID locked on there, and I don't exactly. think about it. That's AI inbuilt into our lives. The amount of people who will never consider that as an AI in their life is bizarre to me, to be honest. Are oh. like the homes, like the smartphone things. It's already there. People use it constantly and never think about the fact that that's natural language processing happening because it's listening to me and understanding that and converting that to other things. It's just there. Um, so it's already starting to happen. It'll be really interesting how much it'll actually implement itself into our lives, I guess. Yeah, or the fake background that you have right now. It's also like yeah, it's pure AI. <laughs> <laughs> Or the or the the Snapchats or Instagram filters, like all of those stuff are there already, and people enjoy it, and it's kind of making their life joyful and useful and so on. All right, so we are slowly moving towards the conclusion of our our discussion, and I think there were a lot of uh, uh, very interesting things that 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 were were mentioned, and I would just like to kind of uh, ad address some some specific questions now to to each of you towards towards the end, because I think uh, so. Akansha, you 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 mentioned something which to me is is something that I I I I had to always learn the hard way, especially part of this this research work that I do, and also working with students where I see a lot of enthusiasm about uh, a. a lot of things but I find myself saying this quite a lot don't reinvent the wheel so every time I have a, a project with with students in which we're trying to you know develop a service that's going to to help solve some sort of problem it's always about and now let's create this app and this app is going to change everything right and I always say okay but have you considered all the other options that are already out there. Do you need to create a new app? Why would people use the app and so on and so forth? So when it comes to AI, what are your recommendations in terms of not reinventing the wheel? So how how people, you know, I, I think that everybody, and this is again where hubris comes in, everybody wants to create the next big kind of thing that is going to change everything. But how to avoid that and how to really, you know, make these steps towards making things better and uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think Maura would agree. Like, I mean, anything we're creating is to solve a problem, right? And it's a people problem. Like, that's where the whole design stuff comes in, which, I mean, design and data work so well together. And, like, not enough people talk about that, which is why I'm glad you had this two different sides of it. Um, but, yeah, that's the essence of it is, like, you're trying to solve a problem, not necessarily that you're building something that is, like, innovatively cool. No one cares. Dyson does really, really cool stuff. I love their hairdryer. I paid ridiculous amounts of money for it. But I don't sit there thinking about the technology behind it. I'm just like, hey, it's doing this job by drying my hair. Um, 
so the same kind of goes with AI. Nobody cares if you've spent literally three years building out this perfect algorithm that is 98% accurate when you could have literally just leveraged, say, um, the auto ML that Azure offers, which gives you 96% accuracy and have it done in two days. Like, no one's going to care. Actually, they will care because, hey, it took three years to do this. I could have had this two days, like, like two years ago, you know, that kind of thing plays into it for me. Um, so the things I've noticed, and I've used them a lot in my own projects and stuff, um, Azure has done really, really cool stuff. I'm sure other platforms have done it too, but I guess this is my bias coming through. It's just what I use um, predominantly. But auto ML by them, the cognitive services, like it's just click four or five buttons and you've got a machine learning model that's ready to be implemented into an app you already have existing. Um, it is crazy cool stuff. With power comes responsibility. Please don't forget that there is ethics involved here. But it, I mean, at the same time, it is removing a lot of bias by having already created. I'm hoping the underneath machine learning models are not biased. That's a whole different issue altogether. But those things exist. Cognitive services there, cognitive searches there, where you can literally implement any kind of really detailed search. I think it took me 10 minutes to set one up the other day where I was creating a demo for something ready to go. It'll search through whatever documents you want to put into it within your own context. And that's all it takes. And I recommend it. Like there's so many tutorials. I've done talks that are available online for free and go read about it. Like they've made the effort to actually make it really understandable and very quickly and easily um, consumable as well at the same time. So that's what I would say is my suggestion, I guess. All right, and, and Mauro, you said something that that, that really sparked a, a, a kind of a light bulb in my head. You said that when you're designing, you're not just designing for the human element, but you're also designing for the AI client. And can you tell us a bit more about how, you know, how is it to design for AI? As in, it, it's a very empathic way of, of looking at it, which I haven't seen in in, in a lot of these these uh, these uh, tech talks and a lot of these these doc these, these articles that I'm reading uh, about how AI is going to take over and you know do do all sorts of nefarious things. And you're talking about designing with the value for AI in mind. So can you just expand about that a bit? Yeah, sure. Um, if you have a kid, you're gonna understand that very well. So it's the same thing, right? Like you're saying, you're telling them, um, you're telling your kids, like if you put your finger in the power plug, you're gonna get a shock, and they have no data evidence for that, right? They and then so they cannot make the judgment, they cannot make the, they cannot identify where is danger, where is not, and that's what you do with AI. It's exactly the same logic of of educating this small, uh, really simple-minded being into do a task that you want to do. So. Different from a kid that learned from everything and it's like a sponge, the AI only have the data that you have there and only talks one specific language and can only understand really simple uh, uh, correlations, right? You cannot, you cannot, it's like as much, every time you try to add one more uh, element of, 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 of one more data point, one more labeling, it's just like everything gets just more messy and messy with the, with the accuracy and also like, um, uh, it's kind of like breaks the, the 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 service that you want to deliver, right? So you're training you're training a really dumb employee to deliver a job. That's the that's what you're trying to to do at that at that space. So you have to be really uh, really clear, and you have to design. You have to to think like what are the the, the data entry points that the, the machine needs in order to to learn in order to perform the job better. 
right? Like, how can you make that effort? Of course, there is like a lot of deep learning and, and things that make the, the machine learn by itself, uh, but still like how to create the application that, that creates the interface between user and machine backwards. Like every time you use something in Google, you, you give feedback, right? That's a data point. Every time you text, you write something on, the, on Google Docs, you're creating a data point of, of like how the, how, how the word works or you're training your uh, uh, spell corrector, right? So all of those things, they are, these are data points that go into the model. If the model will build, you're gonna learn it faster and less and less you have this uh, idea that we're talking like you, if it's well done the model, then you have less design interface that the machine gets more and more invisible and that's your goal. At the end of the day, uh, you want to have like something that is the system's not seen. Things just happen, right? Um, it's a bit like um, I like to think uh, in a car drive and uh, and a self-driving car. Like if you if you grab a taxi, right? If you, if you grab a, a cab or Uber or something to go to the airport, you actually most of the time you don't care about the driver, right? You just want to get to your to your location. It's not that you like when you're Ordering a cab, you go like a bit like Tinder. Oh, I don't like this drive. I don't like this drive. Now I'm gonna get. You don't do that, right? Or you like you see cars, cars passing and say, mm, "I like this car." No, I don't like this car. No, you don't care. You just want to get to where you want to go, right? And that's the, the main thing about uh, self-driving cars as well is that there is no difference between a self-driving car and a taxi from the perspective of of the getting the job done, right? And that's the and that's the the overall goal, overarching goal is like to be so invisible that it's in, indistinguishable from a, a service delivery from from a person. All right. So uh, to to kind of bring everything together, uh, whether it's from a data science perspective or whether it's from a design perspective, it still kind of boils down to figuring out what the problem is and how do you solve that problem and how do you offer value in the process um, while of course leveraging all the the, the technology and the the the, you know, the, the, the complicated uh, machine learning and algorithm and and so on but while still having this human element that either is part of of uh, defining the problem or or making sense of the data or then later on evaluating and providing feedback and 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 so on and you know determining to what extent value is created so still uh, uh, quite a human problem uh, in the end of well, human problem human solution and uh, again trying to provide value uh, I want to thank both of you for for this talk. It's it's been uh, again it's been so fun uh, hearing your your perspectives and trying to kind of uh, uh, bridge them. And I, I think the the bridges were 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 fairly clear. Um, if people want to to hear more about what you're doing or see other talks that uh, that you've done, where can they find you? We will of course also have links. But if there's anything that you would like to plug now, this would be the time. Yeah, I think um, Twitter, LinkedIn, reach out wherever. I'm always happy to help. Um, preferably Twitter, LinkedIn gets clogged up very quickly. Um, but hey, I mean, if you want to hear more from me, I run my own podcast as well, actually. And that was, it's a bit more around different career paths into tech. So if you are out there listening and you might want to switch into a career in tech, come along, listen. I'm sure you'll find somebody who's had the same kind of journey as you in a wild, untraditional way into it. I mean, the one that's coming out tomorrow is a ballet dancer who's turn into an AI person. So it's very cool stuff. Feel free to, to also drop the name. So what, what is your podcast yes. called and where can people find it? 
shamelessly plugging myself and not even knowing how to do it. Um, Path Uncovered is the podcast. All right, Path Uncovered. Thank you. Mauro, where can people find you and see what you're thinking and doing? I think Twitter and Instagram are the two main spaces where I share stuff. So if you just find Mauro Alex, none of those stuff you're going to find me. Um, I have like I have some talks scheduled uh, next month in the uh, San Francisco Design Week uh, where I'm going to talk exactly about what's this, what's AI for for designers. So it's going to be like a more uh, 45 minutes uh, me talking about exactly this topic. Uh, it's going to be available online and and people can can watch it from anywhere. Um, besides that, I, I have also a podcast, but only I, I only have five episodes there, and it's unfortunately in bad German. Uh, where we talk about uh, education technology. And basically, there is one episode that's exactly about uh, what's AI for, for education and, and how that would impact the, the whole life instead of, uh, instead of schools. Um, but if someone yeah. wants to practice their bad German, what would be the, the podcast? That, what's the name of the podcast? It's called Bildungshack. Bildungshack. All right, yeah. awesome. So uh, we will also, of course, provide all the uh, all the links in the description. So I want to thank both of you again for taking the time to to talk to us, and uh, we look forward to to also hearing what some of our listeners think and uh, what the conversation around that will be. So thanks again, and uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, thanks for inviting, Robert. <laughs> cool. Thanks for the chat.